The following podcast comes to you through podbean.com. In the artist realm with Sylvia Stein. Here we go. Wednesday. My name is uh, Sylvia Stein. I am an indie author and welcome to In the Artist Realm. Thank you for joining us. Today we're going to continue on the book by Writing Tools 50 Essential Strategies for Every Writer by Rory Peter Clark. The last time we talked about, we started with beginning sentence with subjects and verbs. This all begins on page 11. If you have the paperback, Uh, You can easily follow it along, even with the Kindle copy, but I have the paperback. Starts on page 11, tool 1, and it it begins and it talks about beginning sentences with subjects and verbs. And I remember explaining to you guys last week, I gave the example of the New York Times, and we learned about the right branching sentences, and then we went into the John Steinbeck example, and the prose when you delay um, sometimes use uh, the subject before we get to the verb, but if you do it carefully, and we learned about the example about Anna Quindlen's memoir, how reading changed her life, and then you saw the, you know, uh, an example of the Chesapeake County Schools, and then we we read about um, the fame, you know, the the woman that uh, the controversial uh, illness that she had, Terry Schiavo. And a former student of his writing a uh, something on the obituary, um, which, which he wrote for the class uh, on 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 her to kind of explain about delaying the main subject and verb and tightening things, and then uh, a, a small example of Carol Shields' The Stone Diaries, an example of that. So, and and this was all to lead up to the beginning sentences with subjects and verbs. Today we're going to talk about tool two, where we place strong words at the beginning and at the end. And this is all for ordering words for emphasis. Some of these examples are taken from news, uh, news examples, so they'll be a little tough to hear um, because of, you know, when we listen to the news, that's how, you know, we're listening, we're hearing all the headlines that are going on. Uh, But these are um, taken from the book by Roy Peter Clark, Ordering Words for for Emphasis Now, Placing Strong Words at the Beginning and at the End. So here he goes into, he mentions Strunk and White's The Elements of Style, which is another great book, which we'll also focus on um, a little later on in the near uh, podcast coming up. Um, He says, the Strunk and White's The Elements of Style advise the writer to place empathetic words in a sentence at the end. 
an example of its own rule. The most empathetic word appears at the end. Application of this tool will improve your prose in a flash. And then he goes on to say, for any sentence, the period acts as a stop sign. That slight pause in reading magnifies the final word, an effective intensified at the end of a paragraph, where final words often adjoin white space. In a column of type, a reader's eye are likewise drawn to the words next to the white space. Those words shout out, look at me. Empathetic words, he continues, word order helps the writer solve the thorniest, like a thorn when you get stuck, it, it's kind of painful. It says, it solves it, it solves the thorniest problem. Consider this opening for a story in the Philadelphia Inquirer. The writer, Larry King, must make sense of three powerful elements, the death of a United States Senator, the collision of aircraft, and a tragedy in an elementary school, as you will listen. This is all taken from the Philadelphia Inquirer, an opening for a story. A private plane carrying U.S. Senator John Heiss collided with a helicopter in clear skies over Lower Marion Township yesterday, triggering a fiery mid-air explosion that rained burning debris over an elementary school playground. Moves on to say, seven people died, Heinz, four pilots, and two first grade girls at play outside school. At least five people on the ground were injured, three of them children, one of them, one of whom was in critical condition with burns. Then it continues on, flaming and smoking wreckage tumbled to the earth around Marion Elementary School on Bowman Avenue at 12.19 p.m., but the gray stone building and its occupants were spared. Frightened children ran from the playground as teachers herded others outside. Within minutes, anxious parents began streaming the school in jogging suits, business clothes, house clothes. Most were rewarded with emotional reunions amid the smell of acrid smoke. On most days, any of the three elements would lead the paper. Combined, they form an overpowering news tap tapestry, one that reporter and editor must handle with care. With what matters most in, their, in this story, the death of a senator, a, spec a, a sp spectacular crash, the deaths of children. So it's asking here, on most days, any of the three elements will lead the paper. Combined, they form an overpowering news tapestry, one that... Re one that the reporter and editor must handle with care. What matters most in this story? The death of a senator, a spectacular crash, the death of children. The first paragraph, the writer chooses to mention the senator and the crash up front and saves elementary playground for the end. Throughout the passage, subjects and verbs come early, like the locomotive that he mentioned before and coal car of an old railroad train saving other interesting words for the end like a caboose consider also the order in which the writer lists the anxious parents who arrive at the school in jogging suits business clothes house coats any other order weakens the sentence placing house coats at the end builds the urgency of the situation parents racing from their homes dressed as they are putting strong stuff at the beginning and end helps writers hide weaker stuff in the middle in the passage above, notice how the writer hides the less important news elements, he says. The who and the when. Lower Marion Township yesterday, in the middle of the lead. This strategy also works for attributing quotations. 
and here we, he goes to, into another example of what he means. It was one horrible thing to watch, said Helen Amadio, who was walking near her Hamden Avenue home when the crash occurred. It exploded like a bomb. Black smoke just poured. Begin with a good quote. Hide the attribution in the middle. End with a good quote. Some teachers refer to this as the 2-3-1 two, two, tool of emphasis, where the most empathetic words or images go at the end. The next most empathetic at the beginning and the least empathetic in the middle. But that's too much calculus for my brain. Here's my simplified version, he says. Put your best stuff near the beginning and at the end. The hide weaker stuff in the middle. So he goes on. Amy Fuselman provides an example with this first sentence of her novel, The Pharmacist's Mate. Don't have sex on a boat unless you want to get pregnant. The most intriguing words come near the beginning and at the end. Gabriel Garcia Marquez is another example, uses this strategy at the opening of 100 Years of Solitude to Dazzling Effect. Many years later, as he faced the firing squad, Colonel Aureliano Buendia was to remember that distant afternoon when his father took him to discover ice. What applies to the sentence also applies to the paragraph. As Alice Siebold demonstrates in this passage, in the tunnel where I was raped, a tunnel that was once an underground entry to an amphitheater, place where actors burst forth from underneath the seats of a crowd, a girl had been murdered and dismembered. I was told this story by the police. In comparison, they said, I was lucky. That final word resonates with such pain and power that Sibold turns it into the title of her memoir, Lucky. These tools of emphasis are as old as rhetoric itself. Near the end of Shakespeare's famous tragedy, a character announces to Macbeth, the queen, my lord, is dead. This astonishing example of the power of empathetic word order is followed by one of the darkest passages in all of literature. Macbeth, Macbeth says, she should have died hereafter. There would have been a time for such a word. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty place from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time and all of yesterday's have lighted fools the way to dusty death. Out, out, brief candle. Life's but a walking shadow. A poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. The poet has one great advantage over those who write prose. He knows where the line will end. He gets to emphasize a word at the end of a line, a sentence, a paragraph. We prose writers make do with the sentence and the paragraph signifying something. So here he's showing us in this section is where other words we we do order word for emphasis placing strong words at the beginning and at the end the examples given because he starts off by quoting about strong and whites the elements of style advising the writer to place empathetic words in a sentence at the end so he gives us the example with the larry king the philadelphia inquirer and then noticing how the paragraph 
chooses to write different things to make them sound a little less tense, more empathetic. But then he goes into the non-empathetic ones, like uh, when you're getting to the point, like uh, Amy Fusselman, then there's Gabriel Garcia Marquez, and then also uh, uh, Mac and Shakespeare's Macbeth. So what what can we do as, as far as ex an example of this? Well, your what he advises you to do if you get this book, read Lincoln's Gettysburg Address and Dr. Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream Speech and study empathetic word order. With a pencil in hand, read an essay you admire. Circle the first and last words in each paragraph. Do the same for recent examples of your work. Revise sentences so that powerful and interesting words, which may be hiding in the middle, appear near the, near the beginning and at the end. So I'm going to give you an example of, of that on my novella closure as far as empathetic words because of the subject matter in my novella. Give, I'm going to take a, uh, a minute. We'll be right back. And I will, I will read you some of, of, of the example that I've come up with on my novella. Okay, so we're back now. Okay, now, on my closure novella, I wanted to do something that you know, kind of described what Sarah was going through. And I, I used a, a type of diary to explain, you know, her struggles. The novella talks about an estrangement between a daughter and her father after the mother passes. So here we go into chapter two, and this is what Sarah describes, or the, the, the narrative, the third person narrative is describing. So here we go. In the dark corner of a room, Sarah James waited until the monster fell asleep. Who was the monster? Garrison James, her father. It amazed her how much she had how much had changed in the few months, in the few short months since her mother, Lila, left. It felt as if it happened overnight. At first, he seemed absent. Then the yelling, drinking, and angry glares erupted. Whenever she entered the room as him, soon he began calling her names. When she thought things could not get any worse, the real abuse began. He's not my dad. He's a monster. Heavy footsteps tromped towards the room. She gulped in jagged breaths and looked to the ceiling while blinking rapidly, a feeble attempt to control her tears. When hiding from the monster, she would replay what she did wrong and how he caught her the time before. Don't cry, she reminded herself. That's how he finds you. So here I began this, this chapter two in the dark corner of a room. 
Now, what if I would have just said, in a room, in a room around the house, Sarah Jane's waited until her father fell asleep. That would have made the story a little bit more empathetic to the reader because I'm not saying the monster. By saying the dark corner of a room, Sarah James waited until the monster fell asleep. In the beginning, I'm saying it's a dark corner of a room and then she's waiting for the monster. So here I used an example of the way that uh, the order makes a difference. The order really makes a difference when I read this, kind of like Amy Fusselman goes into, don't have sex on a boat unless you want to get pregnant. And then many years later, as he faced the firing squad, Colonel Aurelio Bandia was to remember that distant afternoon when his father took him to discover ice. And then Alice Siebold, you know, when she describes a horrible, horrific, you know, rape that, she, that went, that happened while she was going into a tunnel through an amphitheater of the seat of a crowd and a girl had been murdered and dismembered. So this is, you know, er, er, all three of them, you know, describe this horrific scene, but it's all in the tool of emphasis or, you know, where you simplified your version, uh, put your best stuff near the beginning and at the end and hide the weaker stuff. So in this case, the darker corner of the room is the beginning Sarah Jane's waiting, you know, and then the monster fell asleep and then she answers, who was the monster? Her father. So here we kind of use the, uh, I kind of, kind of played with the order word for emphasis to, to explain what uh, Roy Peter Clark is asking us to do. So for now, what I will say is on this, so far you've learned about beginning sentences with subjects and verbs and about the right, you know, branching to the right. Now about the word order for emphasis. So I, I challenge you to work on reading Lincoln's Gettysburg Address and Dr. Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech and study the empathetic word order there. So we'll go over that next on uh, next uh, writing tips uh, for the next podcast. And then we'll, we'll go over it with a pencil in hand, read an essay you admire. We'll try to find an essay and circle the first and last words in each paragraph. And if you work on this, um, you are more than welcome to email me at silstein07 at gmail.com. I would love to hear your thoughts on it and see how it worked out for you. And I may read some of your essay if you would like on here on the show so let me know keep me posted at the silstein07 at gmail.com you can follow me on facebook in the artist realm comment you can pm and send an email but um i would like to really hear your thoughts of you know if you read the, the lincoln's gettysburg address and dr martin luther king i have a dream i'll go over that and we're going to study the empathetic word and then with a pencil in hand i want uh, you read an essay you admire, circle the first and last words in each paragraph. I will work on the same. And if you want to give me your thoughts on it, please send send it to sil, S-Y-L-S-T-E-I-N-0-7 at gmail.com. I will also begin on activating your verbs 
strong verbs create actions, save words, and reveal the players, which is tool three on Roy Peter Clark's Writing Tools, 50 Essential Strategies for Every Writer. I really hope this has helped you today. So it, it was strong subject matter, a lot of the news and, and the, the way that people word things. And I hope this uh, helped you all today. As we said, you know, sometimes we don't want to talk about the thorn in our side. You know, we, we want to, you know, we don't want to cause any pain, but a lot of times news, when you watch it, it, you know, especially now with a lot going on, you know, it, it, it causes a lot of emotions for all of us, as I'm sure it does. And then hearing about it, but there, there's, there are ways people word things that make them sound a little bit more empathetic. You know, at least they place them a little more em empathetic for us. And this is what, what uh, Roy Peter Clark was trying to establish in this section of, of, the, of what we discussed today. So I hope, I thank you all for joining us today on today's uh, podcast here through potbean.com in the artist realm. I do have my uh, six-year-old daughter running around and I do apologize today. Um, you can hear her in the background. I am trying to record and uh, I was trying to do this early so this way I wouldn't have the extra sound. But anyway, I hope you all have a happy uh, Wednesday. Thank you for joining us and we will talk to you next week. And thank you for joining me in the Artist Realm with Sylvia Stein. You all have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you very much.